Alleluia, Alleluia. Alleluia, Alleluia. Christ had to suffer and to rise from the dead, and so enter into his glory. Alleluia, Alleluia. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to St. John. Jesus said to his disciples, Peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give it to you. Do not let your hearts be troubled or afraid. You heard me tell you, I am going away, and I will come back to you. If you loved me, you would rejoice that I am going to the Father, for the Father is greater than I. And now I have told you this before it happens, so that when it happens, you may believe. I will no longer speak much with you, for the ruler of the world is coming. He has no power over me, but the world must know that I love the Father, and that I do just as the Father has commanded me. The Gospel of the Lord. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Many tribulations, St. Paul says, it is necessary for us to undergo many tribulations to enter the kingdom of God. Now these are his words of consolation to the churches that he's founded. So what we hear in, in the reading from the Acts of the Apostles today is St. Paul and St. Barnabas are returning from this first great missionary journey. And they're visiting all these churches they founded all throughout the Near East. And in all these churches, there's been great persecutions. There's been great tribulations that they've already undergone in the few months since the churches were founded. So St. Paul is strengthening their spirits by telling them, it is necessary that we should undergo these tribulations if we are to enter the kingdom of God, if we're to build the church upon earth. Because we know that the apostolic mission of St. Paul and the other apostles uh, was greatly opposed. And indeed, our mission is greatly opposed. It's interesting that this week, while Father Ron and the other priests are on convocation, that uh, you may or may not be aware, but the Archbishop has given all the priests and all the seminarians and our parish staff as well, this book to read called From Christendom to Apostolic Mission. And the thesis of this book basically is that uh, as a church, we need to move from a mindset of Christendom to a mindset of apostolic mission. The age of Christendom, in fact, is over if indeed it ever existed. I'm not convinced that it ever existed here in the Pacific Northwest. But the idea of Christendom basically is that the church exists in a society where we presuppose that the faith is going to be passed on to the next generation. We presuppose that what we're doing here in this church right now and the, the gospel that we preach, more or less society is going to, uh, to allow us to just get on with our business, right? And so the mission of the church in a Christendom age is one of maintenance. Can I keep, keep the machine ticking, keep the structures standing, and ensure that things keep going as they have been? But in an age of apostolic mission, the mission of the church is very different. 
Because in an apostolic age, like we see with St. Paul and St. Barnabas in this reading from Acts, in an apostolic age, the culture, for the most part, is opposed to what the apostles are doing. They're fighting against a strong headwind that's blowing in the opposite direction. All their efforts are opposed. And St. Paul says later on in his letter to the Corinthians, you know, in his missions to the different churches, uh, he's been lashed, he's been whipped, he's been stoned. We see, we just saw in Lystra, he was stoned. He's been shipwrecked. He's been cold. He's been hungry, right? He's undergone all these different tribulations for the sake of the gospel, and it was not easy because his every move was opposed. So in an apostolic age, the church exists for the sake of proclaiming the gospel, and we exist for the sake, really, of disrupting the order of things. Our goal is not simply to to preserve things as they have been. Our goal is to disrupt things as they have been in order to establish the gospel, to establish the church. So in this new apostolic age, uh, we need to ask the question, yes, we're here. The church is here in Eugene, in Oregon. But, But beyond our walls, beyond this parish, do people know why we're here? Do the people who live across the street know why St. Mary's exists? Do they know why we're gathering here today? Do they recognize that within these walls, within this tabernacle, lies the King of Kings, the one who's vanquished death and sin? That within these walls, in fact, lies what it is that every human heart is hungering for. You know, St. John Paul II says that Jesus is the answer to which every human heart is the question. Do they know that we have this treasure? And I would propose the answer is no. If the answer is no, then why not? What are we not doing that we should be doing as a church in this age? So this is our mission. It's the mission of St. Paul and all the apostles to preach the gospel and to make many disciples, to heal the sick, to cast out demons. And it comes at a cost. We can expect to be mocked, taunted, insulted, as St. Paul was beaten and lashed, our Our uh, opposition in this age is likely to be of a different character, at least for now, but we can expect to pay a price. And so be it. Because if the great temptation of the church in a Christendom age is one of complacency, right? The great temptation of the church in an apostolic age is bound to be one of cowardice. Our temptation is going to be to pretend to have less of a treasure than we know that we do. And I face this temptation myself. There have been days that I fear to go out on the streets of Eugene wearing a Roman collar because I've experienced the opposition sometimes that people around here have to overt symbols of the gospel, to symbols of the truth of Christ. But we must not be afraid. And this is the Lord's command to us. And in the gospel today, we really get from the Lord an unlocking of the secret of how the apostles in the first apostolic age could go out and endure so many tribulations and preach the gospel and, in fact, give themselves over to martyrdom. They give their bodies up to death in the end. St. Paul says, woe to me if I do not preach the gospel. But how? How do they arrive at this place with such boldness? We see in, later on in St. John's gospel, you know, when the Lord is crucified at his passion, the apostles are cowards, right? St. Peter denies the Lord. Judas betrays the Lord. And all the apostles except for John flee from the Lord when they arrest him. So what changes in between? Well, hear the word of the Lord in today's gospel once more. He says, peace I give to you. Shalom. 
And we know this is the customary greeting and farewell in the Jewish culture. But to make it very clear what he's doing, he says, not as the world gives do I give to you. This is not just a greeting. It's not just a customary salutation, you know. And we might wish one another peace sometimes. You think of after you see bad news on social media, on Facebook, people say thoughts and prayers, right? It's kind of a, that's, that's the way that the world gives peace, you know. The world gives peace without effect, but Christ gives peace and he accomplishes what he says. This word shalom, in Hebrew shalom laka, or in Latin, you might hear it at our Saturday Mass, pax voviscum. And you might literally translate this, not as peace be with you, but peace is with you. Peace is with you, because Christ is our peace. He promises to give his spirit to the disciples. And what changes from the crucifixion to when the apostles go out and preach the gospel is they've received the Holy Spirit. They've been through Pentecost. They've received the spirit of the one who conquered death and sin. Friends, you and I have received the same spirit. We are grafted onto the vine of life. We are possessed by the spirit that raised Jesus from the dead, by the spirit that conquered sin once and for all definitively. So do we believe it? Because if we allow this spirit to possess us, then we will do, as the Lord promised, greater things than these. Greater things than St. Paul and St. Barnabas did as they traveled throughout the Near East founding these churches. We will do greater things than these here in Eugene, here in Western Oregon. You know, there's a great book I've been reading called The Sanctifier by Archbishop Luis Martinez. And he makes simply this point. The very lowest degree of sanctity demands that the Holy Spirit dwell in our souls, possess them. While supreme sanctity is the supreme possession that the Spirit attains in the soul, the full and perfect possession of love. So by the very fact of our baptism, by the fact of our confirmation, the Holy Spirit dwells within our souls. We know this by faith. What remains to be accomplished is a more perfect possession of our souls by love, by the love of God. And so, friends, during this week in particular, as our priests are on convocation, they're discussing this. They're planning for how as a church we can fulfill our mission and what do we have to change and what we've been doing in order to preach the gospel more effectively and to reach the people here. Just pray that the Holy Spirit that we have received may take up his dwelling in our souls in a more complete way. Let's pray first for ourselves and then for our priests and for all the people of God here at St. Mary's and in Eugene, that we may be more perfectly possessed by love. For it's only by this possession of the Holy Spirit that we can go forth into the world and be faithful to the apostolic mission of Jesus Christ. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.